You are listening to a message from Treeline Church, a life-giving church in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. If you are in the Pittsburgh region, we would love to have you join us in person for one of our services. Check out treeline.church for times and location. Thanks for listening and enjoy the message. So we're in week three of divine direction, and this really comes from this question that I've heard over and over and over again. In my own life, I've asked this question, but especially in ministry as a pastor, I get this question all the time. What is God's will for my life? I don't know if you've ever felt that before, but once you said yes to Jesus, and if you've been following after Christ for any amount of time, this question seems to come up often. It's like, God, what, what should I do? I'm faced with options, and many times it can happen in big decisions, like really big things like careers and jobs and moving different cities and all those really big life decisions, relationships, marriage, dating relationships. You know, should I keep dating this guy or should I kick him to the curb? What do you think, God? You know, asking those kinds of questions. And sometimes they manifest in even smaller ways. Seems that not such a big deal, but sometimes you'd really like God's input on it as well. And so we ask this question, God, what is your will? So we've really been diving in this series to really try to figure out how do we determine that? How, if we said yes to Jesus, if we said yes to following after him, how do we figure out if God is in it? I don't know if you've ever felt that way or felt that pressure. Be like, I don't want to mess up. I want to do the right thing. And God, I just need you to tell me, which one should I do? And so we're really looking at how we answer that question and how we get divine direction and get God's input. And see, the decisions that we make today are really important because they will determine the stories that we tell tomorrow. The very decisions that we're making today will impact the stories that you tell someone down the road. And it all happens because of the decisions that you're making now. And we're not always perfect decision makers. At least I'm not. Maybe you feel that you're a little higher on there. You're like, I'm, I'm, you know, I'm an eight on a scale of one to 10 on decision makers. Some of you might be like, I'm, I'm a two, you know, and some of you are like, I don't know where I'm at on making decisions, right? Because that was kind of a joke. I don't know how to make decisions because decisions can be really tough to make and we're not always great at making decisions and people are honestly becoming more indecisive than ever before. I don't know if you've ever asked someone that question, how are you at making decisions? And you're like, well, you know, I'm not sure. You know what I mean? Are you great at making decisions? Well, yes and no, because it's indecisive. We're not sure because there's so many more options today than ever before. When we're faced with all of the options that we have in life, it's like, what do we do? We talked about, you know, having Netflix now, and there's just, you know, so many different things you can watch, so many different options. How do I begin to make a decision? And, and you know, I've done that before where I sit down to watch something, and it's like, there's just too much. I can't make a decision, so I end up watching nothing, right? Or I watch a couple trailers for a movie that I'm never going to go see, and then I never watch anything. It's just, it's just so hard, and that's what's happened in our life. There's just so many decisions. And what's really interesting about the emerging generations is they're faced with more decisions than ever before. See, like for me, you know, there, there was, a, there was a some options, but really myself and older, you might really, it was just, you either had the money and you went to college and then you got a job, or you didn't have the money if we go to college and you just got a job, right? That was it. At the end of the day, you were just going to get a job and you were going to work, whether you got an education and then did it, or you just went out into the workforce. But today there are so many more options for the next generation, right? Do we take a gap year? There's traditional college, non-traditional school, you know, the technical training colleges, technical schools like this. It's like, what do we do? There's so many options. And so what happens is instead of making a wrong decision, many times we just don't make any decision because we'd rather not make a decision and mess up whatsoever. 
And honestly, we talked about something called the illusion of perfection, that today more than ever before, we get to see everyone's highlight reel posted in front of us. When we open up social media, we're just seeing everyone's highlight reel, right? We just see what's really everything, everyone's, no one posts the real stuff, right? No one posts the behind the scenes and how terrible things are and what a difficult day. No one's posting that. No one like burns the dinner and then posts that on there, right? It's always like this what great, wonderful things. No one's like posting the picture of their kids screaming at vacation, right? Like this is stupid. I hate this. Why do we do? No one posts those pictures, right? It's everyone with Mickey Mouse all smiling and loving and looking great. And it's like, oh man, if we could just do that. You didn't get to see the six hours they waited in the Florida sun burning, frying to death, waiting to see this rat and get a picture with. I'm sorry if I just offended you. I just, I'm flashing back, having some memories. I'm getting counseling. But anyway, um, we do this, and so we see this people's perfection that we perceive to be perfection, and we think, I could never obtain to that, and we, po- we, you know, we compare it to our behind the scenes, and it's just, you know, never good. Or how about all these before, can I just take a moment, how about all of these before and after photos on social media? You know what I'm saying? Everyone's like posting these before and after, and you're like, man, I want to do that. That's, a, that's amazing. Look how much they've improved. You know, look how much weight they lost. Look, look how muscular they got, and you know, it seems like I want to do that, right? I want to be that before and after picture, but we forget how much work goes in between the before and after, right? No one posts them suffering the picture in between, right? No, there's no, like, you know, they're sitting there flipping out because they can't eat the cake, they can't have the donut, but we just see the after picture, we're like, that looks amazing. How did, you know, I, I want to be like that, but we don't get to see all of the work, all of the decisions that went in between from something we think is like, man, that would be wonderful to achieve, but we miss the process, all the work that goes on in between, I talked about earlier, you know, when we said for the next, you know, this generation, you know, we talked about all the options that they're faced with. And, you know, for me, it was go to college, get a job. And I did go to college and then I got a job. It was in ministry. So then I, you know, had to get two jobs, one to pay the bills and one for ministry. If you've ever been around people in ministry, you know what that's like. And so what happens many times nowadays, instead of getting a job, we tell the next generation that you're supposed to find something that you're passionate about, right? Find something you really love to do. And so we try, you know, I want to be passionate about it. I want to make a difference with it. You know, it's something I really got to love to do. Oh, and I need to make a lot of money doing it. And I need that to happen right now. I don't know if you've ever realized that that's something that's happening with the emerging generation of really trying to figure out what they can do that they love, they're passionate, makes a difference, and they make a lot of money and they want to do it right now. But that's not always the case, right? Sometimes we have to go through a process. And so we see other people in their career or see something that we think is really amazing, just like that before and after picture, and we miss everything that happened in between to get to that place. And so we think that sometimes it's just going to happen for us, or they just made a string of right decisions, or something just happened for them, and they just knew the right people. And that happens sometimes, but many times it comes down to trusting the process and the decisions that we go through. And instead of choosing something and being wrong, sometimes we have paralysis when it comes to making decisions. We just choose nothing at all because we'd rather make no decision than make a wrong decision. But sometimes a no decision is the wrong decision. Sometimes we just have to make the choice. And today we're talking about trusting the process, trusting the process that as we try to figure out how God is leading us to make decisions, there absolutely is a process that we've got to trust and know that God is in that process. And so today we're going to take a look at four different ways we can trust the process. And over this last couple of weeks, we've been talking about a guy named Paul. 
And Paul was this really amazing guy in the New Testament, did a lot of amazing things, did a lot of ministry, started a lot of churches, went through a whole lot of persecution to do it. I mean, the guy went through a whole lot, snake-bitten, shipwrecked, um, jailed, prisoned, the whole nine, just went through a whole lot of stuff to do what he was doing for God. And see, Paul, he was loved ministering to these people in Ephesus, and he was really sad because he had to go. So we're going to take a look here in Acts when he says that he's got, he gets all the elders together and he has this emotional farewell with them. So Acts 20, 22, he says this, and now compelled by the spirit, I am going to Jerusalem, not knowing what will happen to me there. I only know that in every city, the Holy Spirit warns me that prison and hardships are facing me. Doesn't that sound amazing? Man, I want to be like Paul. However, I consider my life worth nothing to me. My only aim is to finish the race and complete the task the Lord Jesus has given me, the task of testifying to the good news of God's grace. So we're going to take a few moments and unpack this passage this morning. We're going to come up with four different ways that in this we can see the process that Paul went through and I believe that God leads us through. And so the very first one in the process is, number one, the Spirit's prompting. The Spirit's prompting. And we see this right when he starts. And now, compelled by the Spirit, I am going to Jerusalem. So Paul had this moment where it wasn't just necessarily something that he decided. And last week we talked about trying to figure out sometimes when God doesn't necessarily speak and tell us yes or no or A or B, but sometimes God chooses, gives us wisdom and he'll guide us. There are times when God specifically will guide us or prompt us. And here's what we're seeing Paul say, that he was prompted, that he had this compelled by the spirit. And when we unpack this, when we look at the original language, it means deo honuma. That's the compelled by the spirit. Deo means compelled or bound or wrapped. Like you just, something you're just wrapped up and you can't get away from it. You're compelled by it. And, and pneuma is the spirit of God or this current, this breeze, this, this wind. And so he's compelled, he's bound by the spirit of God. Deo honuma. And some of you may know what this is like. I can tell you from my own life, deo honuma, to be compelled or bound by something is I, I like food. I like it a whole lot. I'm not going to lie about it. And sometimes my wife makes some really delicious food. And this isn't even like one of those things where Brian's like trying to get extra points by talking about his wife cooking. No, genuinely, she makes some really delicious things. Like for instance, this last week, I come in the house, I'm like, what is that smell? That's amazing. And she's like, oh, I'm making banana cake. I'm like, banana cake, man. We just like went up from bread to banana cake. And not only is she making banana cake, she is making it with homemade peanut butter icing. Somebody, homemade peanut butter icing. And not even just like peanut butter icing. It was like the peanuts that were like from fresh time that they crushed right there and made peanut butter from it. So this is like as fresh as peanut butter can get. It's like it went right from a nut to being icing on a cake. I mean, that is like divine direction right there. God's calling for that peanut to become icing icing on that cake. And I just was, it was like Deo Honuma. I was bound at that moment. It was like, there is no way I can get away from this banana cake. I couldn't stop thinking about it. It's like, I couldn't wait for her to stop icing it. It like came out of the oven, ice that thing, slice up a piece of that. It was heaven. I'm not going to lie. It was amazing. The bad news is, is we had leftovers. So the next day I'm out, I'm, I'm out about doing all kinds of things. And I just started thinking about that cake again. It's like Deo Numa. I couldn't escape it. I'm like, I was out having lunch with another pastor and I'm like, excuse me, I'm going to have to go. I have another meeting. I didn't tell him it was with a cake, but I'm just like, I have to get this piece of cake. And so I get home, open it up. There it is in the Tupperware container, right? And just open that up, put that bad boy on the plate and just ate it again. I mean, it was just so good. I was bound. I was compelled by this cake. And it happens to me all the time. My wife 
wife will bring in Krispy Kreme donuts to the house because this is her day Honuma, right? She can't go to Washington without stopping at the Krispy Kreme. It's just, it's, it's just, she's just drawn to it. She's bound by it, right? And so she brings them in again to the house, and I'm just like, I'm going to pass. I'm not going to eat them. There's no way. No one can bring a Krispy Kreme into your house and you not eat it. It's just impossible. It's Deo Honuma. You're just bound. You're drawn to it. You can't get away from it. And this is what God does in our life sometimes. His spirit will compel us to something. You can't shake it. You can't get away from it. It's like this feeling that over and over again, you're just I, I feel like God's in this, or that I'm supposed to do this, or I'm supposed to make this step, or I just feel God challenging me in certain way, and you just can't get away from it. You can't escape it, and this happens in our lives, and we've got to pay attention to those promptings that God will give us. And sometimes it will be for really big things, but sometimes it will be for small things. There have been times in my life, and even recently, where God will put a friend on my heart, and I'll just text them and let them know, hey, I'm praying for you right now. And I can't tell you the times where someone will respond and be like, man, you have no idea what's going on right now. I can't even get into all of it, but man, that prayer means so much to me. And just knew that in that moment, they just needed to know that God had their back, that you can't ignore those small promptings that God places in your life. And maybe God's prompting you, or maybe he will prompt you to help somebody. Maybe someone, God will put it in your heart. And you're like, man, I'm supposed to help that person out. I really feel that God's calling me to do that. Or maybe as we've talked about small groups, you felt that tug, you felt that, that prompting that, man, I, I think I'm supposed to be involved with something like that. I think I'm supposed to get around some other believers and be a part of a group. Or maybe God's called you to start a ministry. Maybe there's something he's placed in your heart and you've seen a need, maybe here locally or even around the world, and God's prompted you. You're like, I, I got to do something about this. Or maybe there's a book inside of you and God's prompting you to write a book. And you're like, I'm not an author. I'm not qualified to do this. There's no way I have the goods. You just can't shake that calling. You're, you're bound to it. You're drawn to it. Or, or maybe God is calling you to upgrade your boyfriend. Maybe you feel that prompting and you're like, I'm supposed to kick this guy to the curb, right? And maybe there's a single lady here today, guys, and you're supposed to ask her out. Maybe that's that prompting that God's giving you and let me help you out. Just go ahead and ask her out. And don't ask her to coffee, but ask her to a Bible study because I'm just trying to give you tips and, and help you out, you know? And if it works out down the road and you get together and you get married and you just happen to have a son, you could name him Brian. I'm just saying, just throw it out there. You could do that. Why? Because I helped you get some spiritual love. And I'm just saying, put it out there, you know, and you could help the name from dying because no one's named Brian anymore. Does anyone know anyone at the age of like, I don't know, even 20 that's named Brian? There aren't, right? It's just, it's, it's going out. So you got to help me out with that and just, just put it out there. Just, just saying, Deo Hunuma, it might, might happen. And I even know in our own story, as we launched Treeline Church, we, we were in a place that we were part of a wonderful church in the state of Indiana. I was there for 10 years. Things were going great. We had a great church family. They were like family. They were friends to us, really close. We had a lot of great things going on. We had a wonderful team. So many good things happening, seeing teenagers come to Christ, seeing their lives change, seeing families change. We were in a wonderful place. And it was a lot of hard work to get there because we started the church, the student ministry, 10 years before four started with nothing. No team, no money, no building, nothing. And, and we got to see God do this right before our eyes, and it was a wonderful place to be. But then that Deo Hunuma came, and we felt that tug. God's spirit, God's prompting, saying there's something next. There's something else. It's time to make a decision. It's time to make this leap of faith. It's time to do something. And we felt God's prompting in us to start a church, and that's what set us on that path. And sometimes God's prompting will be those big things. Sometimes it's smaller stuff. 
Number two is certain uncertainty. So you get that prompting from God, and then you have certain uncertainty. Don't you love that? I'm going to Jerusalem not knowing what will happen to me there. That's Paul. So he's saying, I feel the Spirit prompting me, and now when I get there, I don't even know what's going to happen. And maybe you identify with this. Man, I get this. I get this a lot, right? Okay, God, you're prompting me. I feel you calling me to do this. This is something you want me to improve, something you want me to work on, something you're challenging me with. And then you're faced with all this certain uncertainty. Like, how are we going to do this? Show me the details, God. Like, yes, I, I want to do that, but how do I get there? And you know, remember the movie, the line from the movie where they wanted the truth? And it's like, you can't handle the truth. Well, this is God sometimes with us with the details. You can't handle, well, no, God doesn't really speak to us like that. God's much more loving about it, but it's true. We can't handle the details. Many times if God showed us the details of what he was calling us to, we would never do it. There are some times where God called me, challenged me to do something. If I knew what I was going to face when I said yes to that calling, I would have been like, forget this, I'm out of here. And I think even Paul, if he would have known everything he was going to have to face, he would have been out of it. But I love what God says, and I love what the word says in Psalms, where it says, your word is a lamp and a guide to my feet, right? And a light for my path. It's a guide to my feet and a light to my path. We would rather God's word be a spotlight to our future, right? Pointing out all the details, but that's not how God works. Many times he just guides our feet. He just gives that light to the path, and we can't see all of the details out there. We can't see everything we're walking into, but we can see step by step what God is calling us into. See, rarely our plan should be about the future as much as it should be being obedient to God today. And you might say, I want some certainty, Brian. I'm, I'm right there with you. I'm like, I want the pieces of the puzzle, God. I want to know. I need the details. Can you give me some guarantee in this? Have you ever felt that way? God, I need some guarantee that this is actually you and that this is going to work out. And many times we won't get that. But the guarantee we can get is in the word when he says he will never leave us, he will never forsake us, that he's always with us, that he will give us wisdom, that he will be there, that he will guide us. We can hang our hat on that, but we can't always guarantee that he is going to give us the details, and we will face certain uncertainty. Matter of fact, if you're not living with a little bit of uncertainty, you might need to check yourself because we've got to have faith because the word says without faith, we can't please God. And what is faith? Faith is the difference between what I can do and my natural ability. So Brian, this is what I can do. Here's my abilities. Here's my gifts. Here's my skill. And God's challenging me to do something. And then there's this gap, right, between what God's calling me to do and what God is asking me to do. And that gap is where faith takes place. It's like Jesus calling Peter out of the boat. Peter's able to step out of the boat. That's his own ability. His ability to be obedient, that's his decision, his choice. But when he gets out on that water, walking on it with Jesus, that takes some faith because he can't do that. And that's how we've got to live our lives. There's got to be a place where there's some tension that's beyond our own ability. There's got to be this gap where we're reliant on God's faith. And this is what we found, the certain uncertainty of stepping out to plant a church. We were like, we said, yes, God, we'll do it. We stepped out of the boat and it was like, what were we thinking? Like, how are we going to do this? How's this going to work out financially? None of this, may, none of it adds up on paper, man. Like, none of it. Some of you are like, I need the details and this to work out. You would hate this process because it just doesn't add up on paper. Where are the people going to come from? Where are we going to meet? Who's going to help us? Who are we going to network? All these questions, all this uncertainty that we didn't know before we said yes, we didn't know. And we just had to take that step of faith. And when you take that step of faith to what it is God's calling you to do, you will definitely have some certain uncertainty. 
The third one in trusting the process and going through the process is predictable resistance. You're like, man, Brian, this is just getting better, right? We go from certain uncertainty to predictable resistance. Take a look at what Paul says here. I only know that in every city the Holy Spirit warns me that prison and hardships are facing me. Don't you love how real Paul is? Paul just does not sugarcoat anything. Some of you guys who are like, I like the truth. I'm just one of those people who shoots straight. This is Paul, right? He's not sugarcoating it. He's not like, oh, you know, it's going to be a little bit tough when we get there. No, he's like, the Holy Spirit is pretty much telling me I'm going to be in prison and it's not going to be fun. There's going to be no party. This is not going to be something, oh, yay, kumbaya, God, this is so wonderful. Nope, you're going to serve time. You're going to go to prison by following what it is that God has asked him to do. And we will face predictable resistance when we say yes. When we follow that prompting that the Spirit has put in our heart, we will definitely face resistance. And hear this today, that if you are not ready to face opposition, you're probably not ready to be obedient to what it is that God is calling you to do. Matter of fact, if we're not willing to face resistance, we really can't be obedient to what God's calling us to do. We really can't be used by God because we will be faced with opposition. We will be faced with opposition all of the time. And I don't know what it is about opposition. We're all for saying yes to God until we get to where it's hard, right? So we face that difficulty. And sometimes we're tempted to believe that when things get difficult, that God must not be in it. And maybe I'm the only one that's ever felt that way, but it's like, man, this just got really tough. I said yes to Jesus. I've recommitted my life to him, whatever the case is, and I'm going to start living for him. And then it gets really difficult. And we're like, man, well, I thought if God was in this, this would get easier. But many times the opposite is true. That when we say yes to following the plan that God has for us, we're going to face greater opposition than ever before. When do you think it is the enemy will attack? When we say yes to the calling, when we answer yes to the Spirit's prompting that God's placed in us, that's usually when we'll see the greatest resistance than ever before. Matter of fact, if you are facing resistance today, it might be the greatest indicator that you are truly taking a step of faith and following after God. The resistance, the challenge that you are facing, whatever it's in, if it's in your family, if it's in your job, your career, ministry, what does it matter? If you're facing that opposition in a relationship, it might be the greatest indicator that you are doing exactly what it is that God has called you to do. It's part of the process. And I just want to say today, if you were going through that, if you're going through that process and you're facing that opposition, don't quit. Push through it because quitting doesn't speed up the process. Matter of fact, sometimes it can make the process much more difficult and a longer path. But push through. Know that that resistance, that struggle might be something that is in the middle. You were in the midst. You were in the middle. Don't quit. Keep pushing through. You've got this. God is with you. He is for you. He loves you. And if God loves you and is for you, there is no one that can be against you. You can do this. Not in your own strength. Remember the gap we talked about, that faith? It's not just because you're awesome and because you can do it. It's because of Christ who lives within you. Push through. Don't quit. Don't throw in the towel. Keep fighting. It's worth it. Trust the process. As I take a look in my own life, the many times where I've faced predictable resistance, 
and answering yes to God. I remember when uh, I was all the way, let's go, all the way back 20-some years ago when I was in high school, and I was making the decision of what I was going to do for a career. And I grew up with, uh, my parents were pastors, and I grew up in church. Uncles were pastors. And so I wanted nothing to do with it. You know, I was just like, <laughs> nope, no thank you. I'll take a pass, hard pass on that. And I remember people would be like, oh, you're going to be a pastor like your dad. I'd get so mad. I would say things that were not pastorly to them to show them how much I was not going to be a pastor. And I know, and I remember junior year, senior year, God just really calling me. I had my plans figured out. I knew where I was going to go to school. There was some scholarship. There were some teachers in high school that were going to help me out with some local colleges here in Pittsburgh. They were going to give me the hookup. I mean, it was going to be great. But then I had that day of Hunuma where God called me, and I was like, oh, man. And I knew God had called me to ministry. So I pack it all up, end up going to a school in Tulsa, Oklahoma that I had never even stepped foot on. I don't know who does that. Never visited the school, didn't know anyone there, just applied to. And it was actually like way too late. Like one of my teachers was so gracious to me. He was like, you haven't applied for college yet? You graduate in like three weeks. I was like, oh yeah, by the way, I want to go to college. So they helped me with that process and I get there and it was so difficult to finish college. I like dropped, like, I don't know if you know, but just even traditionally in school, not even in ministry school, like people just don't make it. They quit. It's just not for them. They drop out. And I just like lost roommates. Like they just dropped like flies. I thought it was something personal. It's like just Brian gets a roommate, gone. He's like, I'm out of here. You know, and just another, give him another roommate, gone. He's out of here. And so I'm just thinking, I should get out of here too. Like what's going on? No one wants to be here in school. And it was such a challenge, that resistance that I faced to be there. I talked about being at the student ministry that we were at for 10 years in Indiana. I can't even, t we could just sit here all day and unpack the resistance that we faced, that yes, we knew God had called us. We didn't know all the details of how it was going to work. And there were so many times where I was like, this is just too hard. This isn't going to work. I'm not called for this. I'm not qualified. God, you have the wrong person. You've ever you've used that line on God before? Good luck with that, right? I just, it's not me, God. I can't do this. It's just too difficult. Or even starting Treeline Church, the resistance that we have faced but this has not been an easy thing to do, saying yes to God and not knowing the details, but then knowing that the resistance, the fight is coming because there's an enemy and he doesn't want churches to succeed. There are lost people in our communities, families who need Jesus. And there's an enemy who doesn't want that to get out there. He doesn't want the good news to get out. He doesn't want people to experience the freedom and love that comes in a relationship with Christ. And so we face resistance. We're still facing resistance. Matter of fact, this is as I was preparing about this and thinking about this today, kind of a funny story, but it'll give you a little window into some of the resistance because we faced all kinds. But we were really excited when we got here about a year and a half ago and we wanted to get involved in the community and serve at some different things. And so um, we started getting involved. We live in South Fayette. And so there were some community events. We're like, man, we'd love to get involved with these as a church. So they had some community events going on that we supported. We actually sponsored them financially, which is a whole nother issue when you're a new church and don't have money. But we sponsored them financially to be a part of these events. So we're paying them to show up at the event and then work at the event and then provide opportunities, which was a great thing to do. We want to serve the community. That's our heart. That's who we, we were like laying that foundation, the groundwork from the beginning. And so we, there's this event called Touch a Truck and they bring all these trucks out and the kids get to climb all over them. It's wonderful. It's a great event, great a day for families. And so we, uh, we we're going to go out to this. We're set up, you know, our, our gazebo. We got our whole thing. You know, everyone's going to be out in their t-shirts. It's going to be wonderful. And so we load up our truck. We rent did the, this, this balloon popping game. We had to drive to like the other side of the city, which is like going to another country, right? We had to like drive all the way over there, spend the money renting it, load everything up. And so we load everything in the truck and it's me and it's Mark and it's Garrett, all three of us in the truck. And then my girls are like, hey, we want to go early and set up too. So we throw them in the front of the truck too, which is, you know, illegal. And so we're all in the truck together. 
and we're driving. It's going to be our, this is our very first community event as a church. Everyone's going to show up in their t-shirts. I've got them rocking the hat. This is going to be wonderful. It's going to be so great, isn't it? And we pull out on the main road and the truck starts shaking violently. Just like, not even like a small, like, it's going to be okay. Well, Brian, you know, like, we'll push through. We're going to be fine. We're driving. I mean, this truck is going to rattle apart. Like, I'm not even making this stuff up. I mean, this thing is shaking violently. We're, I'm like, we're going to have to pull over. And while we're trying to find a space to pull over, my phone keeps ringing. And I look down, and it's my wife, Christy. And you know when you get, like, the more than one phone call from your spouse? You know what I'm saying? It's not even, like, the text. It's, like, that's just the keep calling. And you're like, uh, you got to answer that, right? It's not something that's like, hey, the truck's blowing up. We call you back. No, it's just you answer that. And I answer the phone, driving this truck that's rattling apart, trying to find a place to pull over on the side of the road. And my wife's like, there's water everywhere. There's, I'm like, what is happening? She's like, there's water just coming out from under the sink. I don't know where it's coming from. There's just water all over the floor. And I'm like, oh, my gosh, what is happening? I can't deal with this right now and we pull over on the side of the road and I was like we've got to get there to set this up it's our first event we can't let the township down and so we limp this truck down to the main intersection you, you, I can't imagine to see what this looked like and we a couple the guys get out we push the truck to the event yep we probably looked awesome all in our tree line shirts pushing the broken down truck to, I found out I could drive it in reverse and it was fine so once we got to the parking lot I just reversed it all the way, and they're like, there's that drunk pastor driving the truck to the event. Uh, true story. And so we get there, and I'm like, just so frustrated. How am I going to deal with all this? We get in the space. I'm like, okay, just take a breath. It's going to be fine. Open the door to get out of the truck. My phone falls out and shatters on the ground. True story. I'm not making any of this up. And I'm just like, all right, God, this church thing was a great idea. Peace, I'm out. Like, this is just, I'm done. I don't care anymore. And it just the resistance that we faced, and it just had to be like, all right, suck it up. We know that God is in this. We're going to serve this community. We're going to get out here and do this. My house is flooded. This truck's transmission just blew up and my phone is shattered. We're going to do this, right? The resistance that we face, and I don't know if you felt that way, where it's like everything goes wrong when you say yes. God challenges you. He calls you. You're like, I'm going to do this. I'm going to make the improvement in my relationship, in my marriage, in my family. I'm going to lead my kids. I'm going to show them how to follow after God, or I'm going to do this. I'm going to read this book. I'm going to better myself. I'm going to be in a small group. You join the small group, and then all hell breaks out. I can never make it to small group, right? I don't know if you've ever been that felt that resistance, but it will happen time and time again. We will feel that resistance, that pain of saying, how are we going to do this? How are we going to get through this? Many times for me in the process, this is where I want to throw in the towel, where I want to quit and say, it's just too hard. Certain uncertainty, that's one thing, God, not knowing all the details, but this resistance, this fight to get through it, I just don't know if I have it in me. And I felt that way before. And maybe you felt that way. Maybe you feel that way now. See, the struggle that you are in today is developing the strength in you to face whatever it is that God has called you for tomorrow. And just like working out, working those muscles builds them, many times the resistance of what we go through. Because when I look back and all the struggles that I started, went through in starting a student ministry from the ground up and all of the things and the resistance and the uncertainty we went through, had I not gone through that, God would have never been able to get us to the place of saying yes to take that leap of faith to start a church. And all the resistance, all the struggle, all the hardship that we faced, God was using it to prepare us for what he had next in that season. But if we would have thrown it in the towel at that point, we would have never got to the point of being able to say yes to what God had called us to next. And so the struggle that you are in today, stay there. God might be in the midst of it. 
And as we take a look at this, something that we've got to do before we get to the fourth and final one is we've got to figure out where Paul was. And see, Paul, long before he was Paul, he was Saul. And Saul hated Christians. He hated Christ followers. If you like hate Christians, Saul was your man. I mean, he actually went out and persecuted. He hunted them down. He was Saul bounty hunter. And he would hunt down Christians. He actually would kill them because they were so afraid of the movement that was happening in the early church with Christians. It flew in the face of everything that they thought was right. And so they wanted to stop this movement in its infancy. And so Saul was the guy that went out and did that. Well, Saul had this incredible conversion experience where he steps out in faith and, and he just meets Jesus. And Jesus totally rocks his world. If you know the story, if you don't, you should go check it out. And so he totally changes his name. He gives him a different Instagram and Twitter name, right? He's no longer at Saul. Now he's at Paul, right? Totally changes his name. Just gives him a new name. You're no longer Saul. You are now Paul. Because I don't know if you know that when you experience Jesus, when you meet him, he will change you. He will change your identity. It happens all the time. And so he meets Jesus. He's so excited. He's going to go do ministry. He's no longer going to hunt Christians. He's going to actually work for the opposition, he is now going to go tell people about Jesus. He's going to tell them about the good news. And so do you think once he had this incredible conversion experience and Jesus is like, I'm going to use you, do you think he just went out and started preaching? That's not what happened at all. Matter of fact, the details, we're not sure exactly how it all went, but we know that he spent about three years in Arabia, three years getting prepared to give his very first message, the excitement that he had. Can you imagine three months in? Is it time yet? Nope, not yet, Paul. Six months, a year, is it time yet? Nope. Two years in? Nope, not yet three years, finally gets to go preach his first message in Damascus. So excited. Guess how it went? After he was done, he had to flee for his life. He actually had to run. They, they were like, that's just so radical. He had to flee for his life. And he had all these struggles. He couldn't make it financially. He actually had to go make tents. He had to go and make sell tents, even though God had called him to preach his word. He was struggling to make the ends meet. And matter of fact, eight years after he has this experience with Jesus, Eight years later, finally, this dude named Barnabas vouches for him. He vouches for him. He's like, hey, this is a good guy. Barnabas was trusted. And he's like, I've seen him live up close. I know it's not. Could you imagine Paul trying to get speaking gigs at churches? I know I was trying to kill you last year, but I would really like to come in and speak to you guys sometime. I mean, no, no, no one's bringing him in. How does that look? I know, guys, I know I was just trying to kill you last week, but I just really feel God had. No, no way. So it takes eight years for him to go through this process, and they finally start trusting him. And take a look now, number four, we went through spirits prompting, certain uncertainty, predictable resistance, and number four, uncommon confidence. Uncommon confidence. Take a look at what he says in Acts 20, 24. However, I consider my life worth nothing to me. My only aim is to finish the race and complete the task the Lord Jesus has given me the task of testifying to the good news of God's grace. Uncommon confidence. See, what we know about Paul to be true about him is that he wrote the largest portion of the New Testament, single author who wrote the most of the New Testament in the Bible. It's pretty amazing. Traveled all over Europe and Asia Minor, and he started all of these churches from scratch. Without, couldn't even go and have the benefit of finding any Christ followers. Just going there, knowing nobody, and starting church. As a matter of fact, Paul changed history. Matter of fact, many of the things that we read, the things that were inspired, so much of what we know about Jesus to be true and who he was and who the church is called to be is because of the letters that Paul wrote. But here's what happened. Paul didn't have a plan to succeed. Paul never set it out and was going to be like, I'm going to write 
more books in the New Testament than anyone. I'm going to start all these churches. I'm going to change history. That's not what Paul did. Paul simply said that he would be obedient to what God had called him to do, to the point where he would say that my life, it's worth nothing. The things that I want, they don't matter. My only aim is to finish the race and complete the task, to simply be obedient. And so you may not be where you want to be ultimately. You might not be there yet. You might see in your relationship, in your marriage, in your family, in your job, in your career, in your schooling, wherever it is in life, you might not be there yet. And it might seem really frustrating, but you've got to trust the process because you can still be who God wants you to be before you do what it is he wants you to do. Trust the process. Well, what's, what's my purpose? What's my purpose? It's the same exact thing as Paul's, to testify to the good news of who God is. That is our purpose. So it doesn't matter if that's in your marriage, in your family, in your job, if you're in school, in your friendships, in the ministry that you do, whatever it is you do, our purpose as Christ followers is to testify to the good news of who God is. Maybe you feel like Paul and you feel God has called you to do something greater. You feel that your marriage should be further along, that you should be closer together, you should be honoring God, or you feel like you're not the parent that you really feel that you can be or that God has called you to be or Maybe in your career, like, man, I'd like to be there, but I'm not. Or maybe even in ministry, maybe God has called you and equipped you to do some things. And maybe it's not even vocationally, but just some things that he's placed in your heart to do. And you're like, man, I'm just, I'm just not there yet. But if I can tell you, if you're there, you are still in a good place. Because even Paul, <laughs> who God used to write so many books of the Bible, to do so many amazing things. Paul himself was making tents to make ends meet. And so no matter what it is that you are doing, if you feel like you are called to do something, you're trying to achieve something, you're like, I'm just making tents right now. I'm just sewing things together. This is ridiculous. You can know that you can do it for the glory of God. Trust the process. Spirit's prompting. God's calling you to do it. You feel it. You can't get away from it. You can't escape it. But then there's a certain uncertainty. How? I can't see all the details. How's this going to work out? None of this adds up. And then predictable resistance. The fight will be on, the challenge. And then finally, that uncommon confidence to know, yes, God has called me to do this. And because he's in this, I can do it. All for the glory of God. Would you bow your heads with me and pray? Heavenly Father, <laughs> Lord, we can feel so frustrated at times or so discouraged because we feel like we we want the instant results that we see in those before and after pictures saying man I want that I want to achieve that I want to do that or even feeling God calling us to do something and we want that instant gratification that success but God we have to know that in between there's this process that we must go through so God I pray that you would grant us the grace to go through this process and God, give us the courage to trust the process, to say yes to that Spirit's prompting, to not run from it, to not ignore it, to not drown in it, to not walk away from it, but say yes. 
that God, knowing when we say yes, God, that there will be uncertainty and that requires the faith, God, that gap between what I am capable to do and what only you can do. God, help us to live in that tension and say yes anyway, even though we don't have all the details. And that God, when we say yes and we're trying to figure out how it's gonna work out, that we will face resistance. God, as much as you are for us and that you love us, there's an enemy who doesn't want us to succeed. And God, we will go through the resistance. We will face the fight. But God, if you were with us, God, your word says so clearly there is no one who can be against us. And if that's you today, know that God is for you, that he loves you, that you have got this, that you can do this. He says you are an overcomer. Some of you just need to start proclaiming that in your life, that I'm an overcomer, that I'm more than a conqueror in Christ Jesus. God is for me. No one can be against me. And just repeat it over and over and over again. God, help us to realize that saying yes and that resistance that we face doesn't mean that we're out of your will, but many times points to that we are right where you want us to be. And finally, God, give us that uncommon confidence to know that at the end of the day, just like Paul, our life means nothing but to bring you glory, to point people towards you. Say, it's not me, but it's God. It's in Christ alone. As we're here today and your heads are bowed and your eyes are closed, I want to give you the opportunity to say yes to a relationship with Jesus. Maybe you're here and you have never said yes to following after Christ. If that's you today, we want to give you the opportunity to say yes. Maybe as we talked about that day of Hanuma, we talked about that drawing, that prompting of the Spirit. Maybe that's the Holy Spirit today prompting you, saying it's time to come to a relationship with Him. See, it's not about being good enough. It's not about getting your act together and then getting everything to look great and coming to God. No, Jesus loves you right now as you are, where you are, how you are. That Jesus gave his life knowing that you may not accept him, but that's the kind of love that he had for you. And maybe he's drawing you to say yes to relationship with him, to take that risk, to take that step, that leap of faith. Maybe you're here today and you would say, Brian, at one time I said that prayer. One time I was following after God, but life just got busy or I faced that uncertainty in my relationship and my walk with God and just got too hard and I walked away. Whatever the reason, it doesn't matter, but God loves you right now where you are, how you are, as you are, and he is welcoming you with arms wide open, not with judgment, not with guilt, not with shame, but with grace, with love, with acceptance, with forgiveness in his arms, saying welcome home. If that's you today in either one of those categories, I'm just gonna ask you to do something while no one's looking around, just simply slip up your hand and say, Brian, pray with me today to make that decision. Awesome. Anyone else? Say, pray with me. All right, we're going to pray out loud together so no one prays alone. Repeat after me. Dear Jesus, I believe in you. Forgive me of my sins. Help me to follow you all of my life. Fill me with your spirit. In Jesus' name, amen. Hey, can we cheer and make some noise for those who said yes to relationship with Jesus today? Thanks for listening. If you would like to connect with us or learn more about our church, please visit us online at treeline.church or on social media. Our mission is to see family trees changed by a lifelong relationship with Jesus. We hope you can listen or join us next week.